Hello, everyone, and welcome to Once Upon a Binge. My name is Maureen. And I'm Paige. And today we're going to be talking about a series that we have both previously read and decided to reread this year because there is an adaptation coming out from Netflix, and that is the Grisha Trilogy by Leigh Bardugo. We're going to be talking about each of the books in that trilogy leading up to the show's release in April. So right now we're going to be talking about the first book, which is Shadow and Bone. Yes, we're recording this as I have not edited a lot of the things that we have already previously recorded. And like <laughs> since we last talked to you, things have been recorded. Have I edited them? No. That's the chaotic energy for you. But we're trying. We're going to do it. I believe in myself and in Paige. We can make it. Truly, I feel like what happened with the Hunger Games was like we had a deadline. We knew what we were working toward. We were working toward the release of the book. So I feel like this is going to work because we're working toward the release of the TV show. So we have like something to work, like a hard deadline that isn't on us. Like we're not creating this deadline. It exists (laughs) in the world. So I feel like this will see the light of day. (laughs) Yes, we're going to make it. It's going to be great. Yeah. So Paige, would you like to give us a synopsis of this book? Yeah, so I wrote down a synopsis because we also did a live show because I'm doing this book club based on like this series of books and I didn't do a synopsis for that even though I just read the book this week. So here we go on this adventure together. Let's see how (laughs) I get through this. Um, So we start with the introduction to Alina. She is our protagonist throughout this series. We see everything through eyes in first person. Um, She is part of something called, is she the first army or the second army? Second army is Grisha. First army okay. is... is the humans. Yes. Okay. So she is part of the first army, which is the human army that is part of this world. And she is part of this army with her best friend, Mal. They have been together since they were kids. They're both orphans and they grew up in this duke's house. The duke used to take in children. So they are going to this place called the Fold, which is just this expanse of darkness. You cannot see anything with this expanse of space in the world. Um, It was created over a hundred years ago by this evil person who was also a Darkling, who we are introduced to as the grandfather of a character we meet later in this book. The thing about the Fold is that it is kind of dangerous because there are these creatures called the Volcra that will literally maul you alive if they find out that you are in this darkness. So Alina's worried because they are going over to get more supplies are going to get guns and stuff from the other side of this place called West Rafka and she is concerned that she and her friend aren't going to survive because it's a very dangerous trek. So while they are in this small town right beside the fold, the Darkling, which I just mentioned, shows up. He is the leader of the second army, which is this subset of the army that has these magical powered beings called the Grisha. So he is the most powerful one of them. He actually can call to darkness. He can summon darkness. And he is a descendant of the person who created the fold, or so we think. Um, She goes into the fold after having this conversation with her friend Mal, who she is actually obsessed with. She loves him. We love a good friends to lovers situation that is obviously going to happen here. (laughs) Maureen is thriving. Yes. This is my moment. They go into the fold together and the Volcra attack because, of course, this is going to happen. And she ends up saving Mal, who is about to die from a Volcra by summoning light, which she doesn't know that she can do. She's like, she passes out without even realizing what she actually did. She only finds out that she did this when she comes to and she is brought to the Darkling. And they're like, this bitch can summon the sun. Um, We need to, like, use her to get rid of the fold. 
So the Darkling basically not kidnaps her, but forcefully makes her go <laughs> to this place called the Little Palace, where all the Grisha live with the king and royalty. And she is basically taught how to use her power from this woman called Bagra. And she learns how to be stronger, but she's struggling. She doesn't feel like she fits in with the Grisha. She doesn't feel as pretty as the Grisha. She doesn't believe she has control in her powers. So it's a whole, like, fish out of water situation for her where she has like this comfortable place she misses her best friend she misses like regular life but eventually she gets a hold of her powers in part because the darkling is manipulating her and telling her she's this powerful being and like she belongs beside him she's gonna change the whole world and also because she learns to let go of the things that were in place in her brain that were stopping her from controlling her powers and therefore making her feel ill and look ill um so we learn through bagra who ends up being the Darkling's mother, that he is actually evil. He was actually the person who created the foal because he's ancient and he just looks like a really hot 17-year-old, apparently. <laughs> um, and so Alina is sent away by Bagra. She escapes Little Palace because the Darkling has this whole plan to use this special collar to control her and her powers while amplifying them. And the collar would come from this special stag. So Mal in the background has been hunting this stag for the Darkling because he just wants to see Alina and make sure that she's safe. And he doesn't know that he's actually playing into her enslavement by doing this. But he finds her because after she runs away, the Darkling sends them to look for her. The two of them run off to find this stag because they figure she might as well kill it and get the collar for herself so she controls her own power. Except she doesn't kill the stag when they find it. The Darkling <laughs> still does it. And puts the collar on her, takes her back to the fold so that he can actually have control over the Volcra. He never wanted to get rid of the fold. He just wants to expand it so he can control the entire world that we're in. So Alina, when again Mal is put in danger by the Volcra, it's a big like 180. She realizes that she actually does have control of the stag because she showed it mercy. And she takes back her control of her powers, saves the day, gets them across to the West Ravka, and they end up on a ship. And we are uncertain of their future at this point in the book. Wow. That was great. That was a good summary. Thank you. For context, I read the whole trilogy in the last month. Paige has read book one so mm -hmm. far in her reread and is going to be reading the rest of them. We will be recording as that happens. But like... I am trying to hold myself back from making many points because, as Paige has said, <laughs> she doesn't remember everything that happened, so I'm like, hmm. We gotta hold it in. We gotta hold it in. Yeah, like, I have vague memories of this series because I read it once, like, maybe four years ago at this point. Maybe less. I feel like it hasn't been that. It must have been, like, 2017 or something, which is, now that I think about it, actually four years. Wow. Um, I read it while I was, like, still in my publishing program for the first time because I read Lee Bardugo's second series in this world, the Six of Crows duology, first. That was my first introduction, and I went back to read the Grishaverse. So all of my really strong memories are from the duology and not the trilogy because mm -hmm. like the world building is so different in those two that this is truly I can't even remember if I ever finished the third book to be honest did I who knows <laughs> we'll find out I think I read the whole series probably around when Siege and Storm was released or maybe right before mm -hmm. Rune and Rising like I joined booktube like around 2013 2014 and this was like one of the big series and so everyone was reading it everyone had opinions kind of the same opinions and I read it then like when Ruin and Rising came out and then I hadn't reread it in a while like I think I reread it sometime 
like maybe in 2016 or 2015 and then I reread it last year when the series first got announced and then I'm rereading it again so I'm very <laughs> familiar with the world. You're going to be like super prepared for the show. You'll be able to tell us like all the details of all the differences that are yes. present in the first season. Like we'll get into everything, but I'm curious to see like how they adapt the series because they are mixing in obviously the Six of Crows duology, but this book specifically, there are two points I could see them ending the season at. So I'm very Ooh. like, are they going to do like a strict adaptation? Like one season is like one book. I can't see them doing that because they have such a huge cast of characters. There's only like eight episodes. Too. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think what I've understood from them, like, mixing the books, quote unquote, I think they're going to be setting up a lot of the stuff for Six of Crows and, like, Mm -hmm. doing a lot of the backstory that we don't get in Six of Crows, which I think will be really interesting. And honestly, like, the reason we love Six of Crows is the characters, and I feel like they're going to mean even more with more backstory and more, Mm -hmm. like, setup for their actual, like, heist it will mean even more. And so I'm actually, like, I know people are apprehensive about that, but I'm actually very, very excited to have a lot more backstory on the crows. It'll be a good part of the series, I think. Because, like, we do know some of the details of that part of the, like, crows background. Like, we do get some flashbacks, like Nina and Matthias. We get, like, their backstory, which there was a photo that was released a couple weeks ago that was very obviously from those flashbacks, which I'm very excited about. But I think... The scene that I mentioned in the synopsis where she learns that the Darkling is evil and she has to escape, mm-hmm. I think that could be a very good point for them to end. Yes. Because it's, like, I such a so huge too. moment for her. Yeah. So, like, I think that's where they might end the first season. Well, and I think, like, I can see where they could, like, even split up the books into, like, four, like four or five. Like, I could really see that happening. I can't, obviously, I'm not going to spoil for you the second book, but I can, like, see another point, like, where you're saying, like, if they ended there, I can see another point towards the beginning mm-hmm. of book two where they could end, and then they could end at the end of book two, and then split book three into two parts, potentially. Like, I could also see, oh my gosh, I just thought about, like, if they split book three at the part, which they probably will, it will be heartbreaking. If you know the vagueness of, like, book three. Do you remember mm-hmm. some, like, traumatic things that happened in book three? No. You, I don't think you understand how <laughs> blank my brain is when it comes to this fucking series. Okay, well. Just head empty, no thoughts. <laughs> there's a really traumatic moment in book three, like, very traumatic, and now that you're saying I could see it ending, like, in book one and then, like, not having all of book one in one series, I'm like, oh, no, they're gonna do that, and I'm gonna, <laughs> my heart is gonna break it's gonna be a great time you know we'd love to see it um <laughs> but yeah it's I really like this series a lot I think especially for like it's not necessarily like quote-unquote early early YA but it still feels that way because it was in that vein like it was one of the first big online series that like everybody was talking about in the newer online book community so it feels like history there but I feel like it really stands up like where there are some things that you're like I loved this like 10 years ago but I do not love this now I still love this series yeah I feel like 
similarly to like the Hunger Games, it's one of those YA series where it's actually trying to like discuss something. Like it has a theme that is like discussing like power and corruption and like Alina as a protagonist in this first book, she's very uncertain of herself. She does not believe in herself and in part the part that frustrates me is because she's making herself smaller to stay with her best friend, which was so annoying to me as a human being to see her being like the reason she couldn't access her powers is because she wanted to be with Mal so much and I hated that element of it but it's like this young woman coming into like confidence in herself and unlocking her own power and her own belief in herself through that and I really enjoyed that arc in this first book and it'll like obviously continue throughout the series and I just like think that's one of the things that makes this series like so powerful and like stand up still even as an adult like I enjoy it more now because I'm reading it like more complexly like I'm looking actually into the details and seeing what the author is trying to do with the series versus how I <laughs> as a reader would like it to turn out if it was me in this story yeah there are thoughts I have about that but they're book three thoughts um <laughs> I <laughs> Yeah, so let's get this out of the way of how we feel about certain characters. <laughs> um, I am, like, all in, all out Team Mal. I think the Darkling is a very interesting and compelling villain, but the manipulation really jumps out for me and is a little bit triggering for me. So I, like, I know that there are people that say that they get triggered by Mal because he's being a dumb boy. And I'm like, I get that. However, I am triggered by the actual manipulation and like control that the Darkling shows over people. <laughs> like not to, not to say that you're wrong or that like, there's not something worth there, but I was like, I feel like these are a little bit of oranges and apples in a mm -hmm. way. And also like being a boy that is not being smart. That is a bit of a himbo and just, not really sure of anything or what he's doing and not great at any of it except for tracking that's yeah. just that, <laughs> it kind of tracks for a teenage boy <laughs> and I feel like I never like obviously there's a whole complex like everybody when they read this series there's a freaking love triangle kind of where it's like do you ship Alina with the Mal or the Darkling and honestly I ship her with neither because but she can stand up on her own. She's a strong lady. Like, she can just, like, do it all by herself. But I think there's, like, this complexity in the Darkling as a character that really draws me to him. Like, I know, like, he's evil. He's doing really bad stuff this entire... But, like, you can see how, like you said, he's manipulating everybody. But the type 3 in me is just, like, the way he's able to, like, navigate society in such, like a complex way like nobody knows what he's doing he just knows how to fit in and still scheme in the background that just something about that hit and I just really <laughs> love it so like that makes me appreciate him more than Mal as a character just in this specific book but also like the fact that he's like so ambitious and like wants his power wants to do these things won't let anybody stand in his way even though like it's questionable the shit that he's doing don't really agree with the whole idea of like expanding the folds and killing thousands of people that's not my jam um but the fact that he has like this reason behind everything he's doing he wants to make his people like better like he it's all power and greed or whatever but like ultimately he's doing it because he believes the grisha should be treated better than they are by the current system of things. So I don't know. I just feel like his motivations as a character just make him stand out so much to me. Like he's the standout character for me, like the one I remember the most out of this series. 
Yeah, for sure. I think it's hard because, like, obviously I have the rest of the books informing my opinion and I cannot separate Mm -hmm. them at this current moment or ever anymore (laughs) to be like, oh, I like this person in this book, even though I will say we'll get there. Book two, Mal, is going through some shit. He's going through a lot. (laughs) And he's not the best because of it. Boy needed therapy. There was no therapy involved. Um, But I agree, like, the Darkling is a really compelling and interesting character. I think I just, like, it's the manipulation for me. And also, like, some other things that happen in later books that I'm like, I cannot separate them from him as a person and a character. But I think we talked about this a little bit in the live show earlier, but, like, it's interesting to see him and Alina at odds because Alina to an extent, wants, I mean, ultimately she wants peace. How many times does she say she wants peace for Ravka? 50 billion Mm -hmm. times. And she will continue to say it throughout the series. That's her ultimate goal. But, like, she sees the issues and, like, wants better for her friends and wants better for the Grisha, but she's, there's just lines she's not willing to cross. And the Darkling is willing to cross them, and he's like, why don't you cross them? You're, like, all-powerful. Why don't you do that, too? And she just, like, will not budge on that set of her morals so it makes a really interesting like situation with them because like he wants her to do something and he's expecting her to do these things or at least like come around to his side and she just will never do it it makes for a really interesting story but yeah he's definitely the smartest character out of like all of them to be honest in every respect he is like you, you can't read this book and say the Darkling is not the smartest <laughs> character. Maybe Bagra. Bagra's up there, too. Bagra is up there. I feel like because, like, you read it, like, when you're rereading it, if you read it for the first time, you probably don't notice half of the things that he actually is doing and the way he's setting up certain situations. But upon, like, a reread, and you know when you're reading it, he's evil. Like, everything he's doing is because he has this ulterior motive of, like, owning Alina and, like, controlling her power. Just seeing the way he uses her naivety as, like, a teenage girl who hasn't really seen much of the world and uses that against her in order to make her, like, see him as, like, this just, like, kind of broody, like, what we all, like, sort of see him as, like, this broody, like, misunderstood dark character who has all this power but treats all of his Grisha like they're his buds, like, he doesn't think he's better than everybody, he sleeps on the floor with them, he eats the same meal, like, all of that stuff that he, like, probably is doing because he's keeping up appearances and keeping up, like this version of himself that he wants everybody to see. Like, reading how Lee sets that up in this book just shows you how much, like, how great of a writer she is. Because I only really saw... I thought this, like, series was sort of a step down from Sister Crows because I read that one first, and that has, like, a lot more world-building and everything. But rereading this one and seeing, like, the character work that she has in it was... I, she's just such a great writer. It just made me appreciate her so much more. Yeah, I definitely think even though there is a lot of plot in this book I feel like this is even more of a character book than Mm -hmm. anything especially if you're like comparing it to Six of Crows which is like all plot all the time like we're just going 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 and we do have characters we love but we're like slowly seeing pieces of them and like maybe never the full picture whereas here it's like we're gonna delve in and do some of the deep work of like setting up characters and like figuring out their motivations and figuring them out it's just really 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 interesting there seems to be like a theme too for her writing where 
no one character besides Mal, who I love. He, I have complicated feelings about him. But <laughs> besides I'm Mal just, in this I'm book, I'm so ready for you to finish book three and to feel. I know I'm gonna love after. him as this goes on, but like book one, <laughs> Mal is dry, stale bread right now. Like I have so many problems because he's such a teenage boy. I will say like her writing. She writes teenagers so well because everything they were doing, I was like, this is a fucking teenager move. For real. This is how they would think. This is how they would act. But she has this theme, like, throughout her books where she's writing characters who, like, there's no, they're not, like, innately good or innately evil. Like, they make bad choices and good choices based mm-hmm. on, like, their context. And I really enjoyed seeing that in this book, too, because I did not see it the first time I read it. But this time I'm like, she just is really every person, even the smaller characters and some of the choices they make, they're making it within the context of their lived lives. And I just really enjoy seeing, like, everybody's being messy. Like, nobody is, like, that true good character, even Mal. Like, he's he's good, but he makes dumb boy choices, which makes me not like him. Yes, he does. Which is fair. He acts like a teenage boy. Like, Mm -hmm. you forget when you're reading some of these books that, like, what their age is and that they are teenagers and that that is, like, they are acting out of their lived experience, like you said, and, like, their age and their lack of understanding of the world and, like, how their choices affect other people and the consequences of that. Like, sometimes, like, they just don't fully think things through because they just haven't had to think everything through all the time. Also, I just remembered that it's actually pronounced Grisha. Somebody Listen, corrected me on that once, and I was like, I, I did not know this. Good to know. Grisha. I'm going to pronounce it whichever. Like, we're going to keep... <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce half of the shit in this series, Let's and I accept real. that about myself. I was... I, whenever you were like, the humans, I was like, doing that Russian word that starts with O and has an apostrophe yeah, in it that no, I don't think no. I'll ever be able to pronounce my eyes skim over and I continue reading the rest. <laughs> like, I cannot do it. I need to listen to one of the audiobooks because I need to, like, learn through listening. Honestly, I think I tried to sound it out on it like in my reread of the third book and I was just like, no, we're not going there. I will say, like, one... Okay, there's a series that I literally... This book I literally just read, like, yesterday, Legendborn, where there are a bunch of words that you literally... If you look at them, you're like, I don't... It's Welsh. I don't know how to say this. But it's Welsh? Within... It was very weird but within the context of the story sometimes the author would be like he like lengthened the eye so it sounded like this like in a way so it would help the reader understand how the word was pronounced and I'm like Lee Bardugo please do this for me because my brain will not do it by itself one thing that I wanted to talk about with the Darkling versus Alina which I think also Mal does to her to an extent but I feel like in this book especially happens with the Darkling is there's like very subtle infantilization that's not how you say that word Um, infantilization yeah (laughs) because there's a lot of times that like he will do things or say things and the underlying message is i know what's best for you i know better than you and like to an extent yes he has the lived experience he knows things more than her but like especially like with the kefta situation is a big thing like where he is like you're going to wear black. And she's like, no, I'm going to wear blue. But then he ends up putting her in black later in the book because he's like, oh, no, you don't know what you need. And, like, it is playing into his plan. But I was noticing that a lot in this book. There's a lot of those situations where he's like, you know, like, I like I know what's best. Like, this is what's best for you. This is what's good for you. And Alina just, like, goes along with it at first because she's like, oh, okay. And is also very fascinated by the world and, like, 
especially when he puts her in the black captain, he, she feels very special and is like, oh, yes, yes. As she goes on, she's like, no, like, that's not what I want. And she just, like, keeps standing up for herself. And it's just really interesting to see her, like, that's part of the manipulation factor. But I was, like, noticing that this time reading and I was like, interesting interesting i took the um i took the kefta thing as like him showing he owns her i didn't take it as like infantilization i took it as like a him claiming ownership in front of all of the royalty like that's all she and i are together because like that's always been his thing is like he wants like he wants to own her he doesn't see her as an individual like he does to the extent that he was hoping she is an individual would decide to just follow him of her own free will but then when he sees that she actually isn't gonna do that he's like well i'm not gonna give you the choice then i'm just gonna choose like you said like choose for you like i'm gonna use you to my ability that is a fair point the one area i remember mal doing it that i was like oh mal was when she wanted to go to west ravka like she just wanted to leave and he was like no we're gonna go look for the stag and then she caved and was like, okay, we're going to go look for the stag. Because, like, obviously that's the choice they have to make because plot and whatever. But I just felt like in that moment, building upon all the stuff that, like, the Darkling had done to her, she just wasn't making any decisions for herself. She was just listening to all these men around her. And I'm like, you need to step up. Like, you need to just say no and, like, say what you want to do. Yeah, like, that was the other situation where I was like, Ugh. I think she has that breaking point, obviously, where she, like, ends up using her power and uses the collar. I'm really... Dang it. There are so many things I want to say, but they're all second book things, and I can't say them. But I mean, I I can I can see that with Mel. I think that was, in my opinion, like it is both that and also him being like, we have to do this because this is the only way we're gonna defeat him. This is the only way we're gonna be able to like live, and like he's just gonna be chasing us forever. Like this is it for us and like kind of pushing her to make a decision that she doesn't want to make because it is like the thing that they have to do in order to like live on and forever and beyond this moment but I also definitely see that as like I know better than you this is the best decision we should make so let's go I think it was because he said, like, it was, like, early in the scene, he was like, oh, yeah, I'm confident that they won't be able to find this tag without me. And I'm like, then just yeet off of the, like, until you both have, like, fi- like gone stronger Fair. and gotten Fair. supplies and then go look. Like, that was the frustrating was, like, he knows that they won't find it without him, but he still doesn't want to give her, like, that time that she seems to need in this moment to, like, yeah gather herself after, like, like she had been wandering through, like, the entire Trauma. country by herself by this point. Yeah, she's really... There's a lot that happens in the end of the book. Yeah, I definitely think that Mal is, like, jealous lover, beat for beat, friends to lovers in this. Like, he he hits all of the trope points. He really does. He's like, I had something good. Now it's gone. I didn't realize what I had. Now I need to win her back. But I'm going to be jealous about this other guy first. Yeah, like, I feel like normally that's, like, my shit, though. Like, I love a friends to lovers trope where, like, the guy comes around eventually. But... It's the spiciness on the other side of the equation for me <laughs> this it's time fair. around. Where I'm just like, when um the dark, there's like one line where the darkling goes like, like it's because he doesn't feel misunderstood, but he believes he has like a reason for everything he's doing, and he just like sighs and says like, fine, make me your villain, and he fully and like embraces like that's who he's gonna be in Alina's life, and that just made me swoon, <laughs> and that's my problem. And I'm okay with it. I can't wait to see it live in 
I almost want them to not end the season where I think they should end the season from the book, just so I can see that sooner. <laughs> like, I want to see that with this first season, because it's such a good scene. Ben Barnes is going to be so good in that role. I'm so, so excited for it. I'm just also really interested to see how, like, obviously, like you said, there's going to be a lot of Mal switching and people appreciating Mal and his mm-hmm. himboness. But I'm really interested to see how people like, especially some scenes from book two that I feel like didn't get talked about or didn't get mentioned at all. And like, because of the Darkling love, they just like, they don't get talked about. And I'm like, I feel like we should uh, address some of these things. Maybe, maybe we should (laughs) talk about some of these things that don't have to do with killing people. It's other things. So I'm just like interested to see those play out and how people interpret them. And like, especially according to the book, or if people like are like, that's so different from the book. And we go back to the book and it's like, nope, this is what happened in the book. It's just actually like in front of our faces and we can't like Mm -hmm. deny it. Even like with Mal stuff, there's probably stuff that I'm like, oh no, Mal. I mean, he's not the best. He has a lot of issues, especially in book two. (laughs) Book two, Mal. <laughs> really needs to get his shit together. But I feel like there's going to be a lot of things that, like, early booktube was not great at, like, unpacking some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, all of those memories and, like, feelings are all still there surrounding this book. So I'm really interested to see us actually, like, let's talk about some of these things that happened in the book that are making it yeah. into the show that we never talked about before. Yeah, like, I... Don't like book two is the one where it's just like completely blank in my brain. Like book three, there's certain <laughs> elements of it where I'm like, I remember certain like settings where they were at, and I remember like the sort of situation Alina is in. But book two truly is like one big question mark. <laughs> so that'll be an adventure for the next what one. What if you just skipped book two and read half of book three, and this was like it? Like you're imagine. Like, That's what I-, <laughs> I definitely Amazing. read. Uh, Season Storm. I do remember reading it because, like, it looks like it's been read on my shelf. But Rune and Rising, I feel like I might have just not read the end of the book. Don't know why. Maybe because everybody was like, I hate the ending. And now after rereading it, I'm like, no, I love the ending. Oh, now I'm worried. Yeah, maybe that's why it's so blank in my brain. But what did you think of um all the other characters? Because I feel like we know who the main cast is going to be for the show. But I'm, like, curious about, like, Jenya and Zoya and... What's yeah, the name think... of the Botnik or something or whatever? The guy who, like, teaches her how to fight. Yes, Botnik. I'm interested to see how Botnik is. And also, yeah. like, some of the other side characters. Like, you have Marie and you have Natalie and Natalia. Yeah, Natalia, I think, probably. Okay. And then, like, Sergey and... There's Yvonne as well, who, like, works for the Darkling, who is, like, present throughout... I forgot about that person completely, oh just totally. Um, but yeah, I'm really interested to see, like, how also their powers look in the show. Like, Lee has so much confidence in it and is hyping it up so much that I'm like, mm-hmm. I really hope you're not setting me up for failure. I'm trying to, like, compare this to other people talking about their other stuff, and I feel like nobody's been this, like, hard, like, this is great, I've talked to the writers, they're amazing kind of thing, so... Yeah, like, I feel like most of the powers in the Grisha-verse are, like, things that are very easily translatable to, like, TV. It's not, like, sparkles are shooting, like, out of her. Like, it's stuff that you could (laughs) do that isn't, it doesn't look like magic because it's supposed to, it's, like, small science is what they call it. So it's set, like, rooted in the actual world. So I feel like that's going to make it easier to translate, like, visually, 
hopefully <laughs> fingers crossed I really hope so. Yeah, um, also David. I really like David as a character. Mm-hmm. Like, if we're talking Enneagrams, David's a hard five. Like, such a five <laughs> in the most five way ever. I need you to Enneagram the tri- the trio at the center of this. Alina, okay, Mal, and the Darkling. This is hard. I feel like Mal's a six because I think mm-hmm. he really values loyalty and that's part of the reason that he gets so upset about issues with the Darkling, because he feels like it's a disloyalty kind of a situation, like, in his heart. It's not actually, but, like, it feels disloyal, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Darkling could be an eight or a three. He just has too much strategic smarts to not be one of those. Like, yeah. But he is very broody, which lends itself to three-wing four, which... So many villains are threes, but it's I feel like he's a three wing four. Nice. Yeah, I'm like, like yeah, yeah, that track. <laughs> he could be like heavy four. He's got a lot of brooding qualities. Yeah, him. and he also can work people, which is a very big three trait. Like not mm. not a bad trait, but like you can use it for evil. Um, Alina, I feel like it's kind of weird with her powers. I feel like she could be a nine, as I always think that all of these like people who are like the protagonists in a lot of these series who are chosen ones feel like nines to me because literally all they want is peace and to not have the power and to not be in the role that they're in they just want everything to leave them they don't want the responsibility of it they're like I just want to live my quiet life like she could be like a nine wing eight actually a wing one she has a lot of very strong morals and a lot of Mm -hmm. very strong beliefs that she holds to but i think she has a hard time like making those decisions for herself but then will like snap into it and be like no this is the decision that i'm making and she goes with a lot of the like gut triad stuff of like instinctually making decisions and not necessarily totally thinking it through she just kind of like goes with it and is like nope i'm gonna make this decision i feel like that could be it mal just feels very very six to me he also is like not super trusting of people like he has to get to know people and then trust them or it's like by extension of alina he will trust people if she trusts them because he trusts her Mm -hmm. judgment i'm trying to think of what else alina could be I mean, I guess she could be a one or an eight. Like, in the gut triad, she could be in that. But nine just feels the most right for her. I trust your Enneagram predictions. <laughs> they sound right to me. <laughs> well, see, honestly, like, I'm interested to see how they are characterized in the show. And maybe that will inform some decisions. Mm-hmm. Do you have any gripes about, like, series overall, I guess, because it can be more broad? Or, like, the first book? Like, anything you didn't like? Because we both like the series, obviously. But Yeah. I think we both talked about, like... Well, you mostly talked about it in the live show. I keep referencing the live show. We'll put a link into it if you want to watch that. <laughs> we um, can link it in the description of the sh- of the pod for y'all. <laughs> I mean, you kind of talked about how, like, some of the wider world we don't get because it's all in first person, so there's a lot of things we don't get because we're just experiencing it through Alina. And I think that's part of the reason that Mal maybe seems so dry because Alina's like he's safe he's everything I've ever known and like that's all he needs to say he doesn't need to have like more personality or I don't need to think about the other parts of him I really like the magic system I think it's well done I think it's interesting enough to keep you hooked and explained enough for you to understand what's going on you don't have to have everything in this kind of magic system like spelled out for you every step of the way because Mm -hmm. you you get it and you can see it happening but I think you said, like, something about, like, especially at the end with the world. What were you saying about that before? 
Okay, yeah, so there's this whole section of the book where, like, first Alina's running away from Little Palace, so she's, like, crossing the country to get back to West Ravka area, and then when they're looking for the stag, it just, it's completely blank in my brain. They were just, like, in fields the entire, like, there's no world building in the sense, like, she does end up in a town, but you don't really get any sense for what the town looks like, what it, like, feels like. It All the places just felt, like, generic, like, random fantasy towns and not like an actual like place that you could like live and feel and like know what everybody's wearing like I didn't know what the costumes were gonna look like for the show because I just don't know what I I know what a Kefka like I know they wear them but what does it really look like you know like those details weren't there I can picture the Keftas I'm like Kefta's the only thing I can picture I will give it that like especially reading I was looking at details and it's like big bell sleeves big bell coat like kind of thing that's mm. I know what it yeah like, like I feel like because they are like real like some of it is like rooted in like real like Russian stuff she like probably expects you just to like look it up but it, there was just like no description at all in the text really oh, that yeah. was like very strong that made me just like as a reader know like this is what it is this is what it's gonna look like so I feel like the show is gonna help me as well like by that point I will have finished the first three books anyway so (laughs) it'll be retroactive but if I read this series again I'll have like the show to draw from when I'm like coming up with like images in my brain yeah I agree I think she's good at like broader world building and like getting kind of a sense for where you are and like the setting like the snow or like you're in a town but the details are not all there all the time Mm -hmm. they're not like I can picture exactly what's happening in this moment with unless it's characters characters I feel like I can picture what they're doing but not like the details of like like you're saying like what people are wearing like what the buildings look like like those Mm -hmm. descriptions are non-existent just yeah. like in general sense. <laughs> the only other thing that I really like compared to obviously Sister Crow, she adds more characters of color or whatever, but just like the homogeneity of this first, like at least the first book. I don't know about the other two books in the series, but everybody's straight for the most part. Like I can't tell you of like a queer character for certain that comes yeah. to the top of my head. And like none of the characters I think are coded as anything other than white in this nope, first. Like obviously Russian. in the show. <laughs> Yeah, like, in the show, it's different because Alina is, like, not played by a white actress. So, like, that's going to change some of the context, I think, of the show. But, yeah, it's just, it was a weird choice to create these countries that are homogenous. Like, West Africa, white. And then Zemeni, I think, is, like, coded as, like, people of color. And obviously the Shuhan are, like, East Asian, I'm pretty sure, is, like, what the code is for them. Like, it was just a weird choice to be, like, here are these four sects of people the f- I can't pronounce the word the f- fajerd whatever <laughs> fajerd fajerdans they feel yeah, like, like the Swedish looking people who are like, They're like- white <laughs> and blonde and blue eyed like that was just a weird choice for me <laughs> that's like the one gripe I have is like this is a weird world building oh choice. yeah but Agreed. it's like in vain with like early YA times as well like that is very much how a lot of fantasy written by white authors was written it was like this group of people. So, like, that's the only other yeah. grip I have, but I think they'll change it for the show. So, I'll probably like the show more in that term. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how they change it for the show. I think it's just, like, it's a pretty solid fantasy series. I mm-hmm. will say, rereading it twice in, like, two years' time span was a lot. I don't know if I would do that again. I'm like, this is one, like, every couple of years, we'll break it back out, read it again. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know if I'll pick it up again. Like, this is, like, a reason I'm picking it up again is because, like, the show's coming. So, like, of course I want to reread it before I just, like, prime myself. But 
I'm not really a rereader anymore. So I think like this is the final time unless something else prompts me, like maybe a movie comes out <laughs> next or something. And I feel like I need to like go back to the series again. But it's been it's been good so far. I'm very excited for book two. Like I'm excited to pick it up eventually at some point in February. I'm more excited for you to like re-experience the series than like anything else. Like I'm like, <laughs> there's so many things we can talk about. I feel like this first book, like even though I didn't know like the exact details of everything, this is the book I know the most. Like I un- I knew the plot from beginning to end, like what comes next, what's going to happen. He's going to like betray her at this point. Like I knew all of that stuff was happening, but like I'm excited for book two because like that is truly a big question mark in my brain could not tell you a single thing at all that happens like it's gonna be like reading it for the first time again sort of like with the hunger games how it was like reading it for the first time so good well (laughs) hopefully you guys are all reading the series or enjoying the show etc unsure when we will be releasing these but hopefully everyone's having a great time we have a goal for release it's before the show comes out hopefully so that we can like do an episode on the show but like yeah, we'll see when these come out. It'll be around the time of the show, before or after. <laughs> we'll see. By this point, you guys have either seen the show and are now, like, listening back to these, or you are, like, anticipating the show in a couple weeks. So it's just an exciting time Yay! for all of us. We really are. <laughs> We're thriving in the book community online. Truly. We've been waiting forever for this series to come out, it feels yes. like. I'm just, I'm so excited. I don't want it to let me down. I don't want my I, hopes to be I will crushed. rage. I will rage like <laughs> if it I mean, lets me down. That would be great content if we get it angry about the show. We're just gonna <sighs> rant. It'll be great times. Great times. It'll, yeah, but like fingers crossed, it's good. I have hope. Netflix hasn't really let me down. Like Winx was kind of weird, but it was still enjoyable. <laughs> and we have Umbrella Academy forever. It's true. It's true. They're filming right now. So I think that's all we have for this episode. Thank you guys for listening to Once Upon a Binge. I'm Paige. And I'm Maureen. And you can join us maybe next week. We'll see what the timing is for episode two, which will be on Siege and Storm. (laughs) Talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.